Well, last week we talked about uh, uh, this new journey that we're on, and we're on a new journey as a church, and I'm on a new journey because uh, I'm not quite the pastor uh, that has been here for uh, 41 years, and I'm not quite the new pastor. I'm somebody in between, and uh, new journeys are sometimes terrifying. I, I was a... When I was a child, uh, I was uh, I was terrified about a lot of things, uh, new things especially. I remember, and it didn't have to be bad; uh, it just had to be new. And I remember one time we had uh, in kindergarten. Uh, yes, I can remember that far back. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we rode our horse. No, we didn't. Um, <laughs> we had automobiles back then. Just give me a break. I remember uh, in kindergarten, uh, there, was a, there was a time when we were going to have a kindergarten party, and it was across the street in a new building that I hadn't been into, and I was absolutely terrified. I was not able to enjoy the party because I was so terrified. When I got, when I got that terrified, I would get sick. And so my, my parents had to come and uh, pick me up from school just because I was, I was sick. I faced new situations that way. And so last week... You possibly didn't see it, but I was absolutely terrified of what you people might look like, uh, how you might greet me. I mean, I pictured uh, a, a bunch of folks with uh, with one eye here and one eye here. I mean, I just don't know. And so I was terrified without uh, without good reason. But whenever I stand before people and and share the word of God, I'm just a little bit terrified. Someone famous once said that uh, that if you didn't feel that way, you probably didn't belong up there anyway. And then this morning, uh, in my in my devotions, uh, the uh, the key verse for today. I have an, I have a Bible app, and it gives me key ver- verses for the day. And and uh, it says this. It's out of Isaiah 55. It says, "For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways," declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. I go, okay, Lord, what are you trying to tell me here? Um, <laughs> am I am, am I on the right track? Uh, and I I remember a story, or I remember an event uh, that happened recurring as a child, uh, being this uh, kind of nervous-minded fellow that I was. Um, I would have a recurring nightmare. Anybody ever have recurring nightmares? Um, yeah, and, and uh, I, I didn't know where it came from. I was uh, I was sitting. It must have been in a car, and I remember I was in the back seat. It must have been, and, and uh, the the car was on a hill, and it was kind of rocking back and forth like this. And I remember when it, when it lunged forward uh, that we must have been at the crest of the hill. I couldn't see a road, but I could see a lake down at the bottom of the hill. And I didn't know where that was. And uh, and all of a sudden, the, the car would start to go down that, there, and I would wake up just terrified that I was going to die. And I had that dream over and over and over and over again. And it frightened me. I got to where I could ignore it. I didn't, uh, I didn't die from a car, uh, going down into a, uh, to a lake. And so I was just trying to wonder what was going on. 
You know, our minds are incredibly made, made by God, and, and, uh, and our minds don't tolerate unfinished things. If you go to bed thinking about something uh, and you don't quite have the answer, when you get up in the morning, a lot of times you'll have the answer because our minds just like closure. And I didn't, clo- I didn't get closure from that, uh, from that dream. At least until I grew up, I got married, bought our first house, and it was, uh, it was a wonderful place. It was a place where we were going to retire. And it was, and we were young at the time. We were in our 20s. And we made sure that the house was all on one level so that we didn't have the stairs to go up because when we got older, we thought we probably won't be able to walk. And so, uh, you know, just a real optimistic kind of a view. Um, but uh, so, uh, we didn't want to do stairs and stuff, so we got all on one level, and it was on the, it was on the end of a dirt road, and it was a former, uh, it was a former fruit farm. Uh, it was the homestead for a fruit farm that was there, and we had some fruit trees and stuff around. Beautiful place. Uh, there was a there was a hill that went down to. Uh, there were three lakes back there. End of a Michigan State Wildlife Preserve, and it was just a beautiful area. I was walking over in that Michigan State Wildlife Preserve one time, and and they had a bunch of uh, little trails and stuff that people went ram around on. And I I came along this road, and I and I and I turned, and there before me was a scene in my dream in my nightmare I just stopped I froze what I'd been there before and so I was trying to figure out what in the world how could I have been here before and so I asked my dad I said dad I said you like to explore uh, you take the take the car around when we were little and you'd explore different dirt roads I said you ever go up around by my house where we live now. He goes, oh yeah, we travel around. He goes, we got stuck there one time. And he said, I was just trying to, uh, I was trying to get that car going and we were stuck in the sand and, and I would, I would put on the gas and we'd lunge forward and we would go. I'm going, okay, we're at the top of the hill and we're rocking. And, uh, I remember that when we, I remembered because he, he told me and I started getting my memory back on that. And we went down, there was actually a road that went down that hill to the lake. And we were halfway, and I was scared when I was little. And I closed my eyes, so I never finished the journey. There was a road down there. We didn't go into the lake, and I was okay. But our minds are just funny that way. And we're on a journey now with God. And we talked last week about uh, having new eyes for a new journey, that God gives us that. And... This week we're going to be talking about a new passion for this new journey. And a lot of times we we meet change, we meet uh, how God progresses us with fear. And we we sang two wonderful songs about uh, about not fearing and and singing louder and and, uh, letting those fears go away and and singing louder than the the unbelief. But many times we, uh, we just are... We're kind of scared about the future, but he has it in his hands. And so a new passion for a new journey. Um, what do I mean? Well, uh, a passion, uh, according to Oxford languages, is uh, strongly, barely controllable emotion. You think about that. A passion is a, is a strongly, barely controllable emotion. 
And so that kind of passion can lead us anywhere. Uh, we're talking strong motiva- motivation here and a hunger that needs to be filled. Something that drives us. And so we come to the question, what are we hungry for? Well, passion that we experience many times is the love for someone or something. I told a couple of people out in the, out in the uh, uh, entranceway here. What do we call that area? We call it the entranceway? We're good. Lobby. Some some churches call it a narthex. Uh, it's uh, it's out there where you come in. And uh, I was tell- talking to some folks, and uh, I said uh, I said you don't know you do know I did tell you the story that I uh, I won my wife in a crooked pool game, didn't I? And he said, "Well, I know you didn't say that." And so uh, I told him the story about how I won my wife in a crooked pool game. Maybe I'll tell you about that someday. Um, no, maybe I'll tell you about it now. Uh, I was uh, I was walking around the neighborhood with a friend of mine and we were talking about this wonderful just gorgeous girl that uh that we that we had both met in different areas there was a new girl in his class and there was a new girl that I had noticed in the hall and uh so he talked about the the new girl in the class I talked about the new girl in the hall and um about 20 minutes into the conversation, we realized we were talking about this same girl. And I said, Randy, I said, we are too good of friends to fight over a girl. And he agreed. And we were 14. So, you know, anything can happen at 14. And so uh, I said, let's go over to my house and we'll play a game of pool. And whoever wins will pursue her. And whoever does not win, will back off. He said, sounds like a good idea to me. I'm pretty good pool. <laughs> well, what he didn't know was that my dad's pool table was a cheap pool table. Had a plywood top that was warped really, really bad. I knew how to play on that thing. It was crooked, but I won the pool game. There was never a question in my mind about who was going to win that. Because I was passionate for this this young lady that I had just met, and I really wanted to pursue her. And it was that kind of a passion that was hardly controllable, even entering into a crooked pool game to uh, to get the right of way to uh, to go get her. My wife, however, when she heard the story, was a little insulted, but um, <laughs> she forgave me because she was a Christian by that time. I had to. Um, <laughs> we also experience. Uh, uh, a passion, a love-hate relationship with sin and envy. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, wrote down in Ecclesiastes 4.4, he said, uh, And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And he, he said, motives are messed up here. Our motives are, are more out of jealousy for somebody else. Somebody else trying to get ahead of us or we're trying to get ahead of them or, or we're trying, we want what they want, whatever. And he saw that and he said, that's sad. 
That's not an area where we really want to be. Other passions that we uh, experience is that we are uh, tempted to chase after the things that do not satisfy more than temporarily. We chase in this life, we chase after things that make us feel good and we, we, we chase very selfishly. James remind us, reminds us that each person is tempted when they're dragged away and enticed by their own evil desires and yeah, we're enticed. I, I read it from a, from a different translation. <laughs> then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. And we have this this selfishness and this sin nature that plagues us. And so what are we hungry for? Well, Jesus arrives on the scene and uh, he is ready to start his ministry. He's been doing healing uh, ministries and comforting people. And he has, uh, he's seen the crowds and he's seen their situation. And he is... Uh, uh, he's there and he begins to teach the blessings that following God gives us. And, and he first gives us new eyes. We talked about that last week. Um, being poor in spirit is being spiritually bankrupt. And if we get over that being spiritually bankrupt by, by yielding our ideas to him, then we'll have the kingdom of heaven. But we have to understand and acknowledge our bankruptcy in that spiritual area. I don't have any better ideas than God has. And I don't have a better, I don't have a better plan. I don't have a, a, a better timeline than He has. I don't know about you, but I get, I get kind of anxious for God to finish something. I go, why don't you just hurry? Part of the process of becoming poor in spirit is to mourn because I thought I had a good idea, but I didn't. But God comforts us. And then we come to that place where it says, Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. And those three things together give us new eyes. If we get through that process, that beginning little process of, of the journey that God wants us to be on, we get to this place that we call repentance. And that simply means that we have turned to God so that our sins can be wiped out. Our sins are just basically our ideas that are against God. Okay? Our ideas and our behaviors that are against God. That's sin. So if we turn from our sin, our selfishness, our, our own perspective, and we yield to God, he'll wipe out those sins that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And so we get to that place and we're on the journey and, uh, and this is really the easy part. Getting the new eyes for a new journey is really the easy part. But when we get into the passion, that gets a little more difficult. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness is the next beatitude, we call it. For they will be filled. Blessed means in this context, joyful nourishment by God's goodness. So we hunger and we thirst after this new righteousness. He gives us 
something besides new eyes. He's given us a new passion. He's given us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. There's only a couple of problems with that. We don't have a clue what righteousness is. We talk about holiness in church sometimes, and we don't know what holiness is. We don't know what righteousness is. And so uh, we can really get sidetracked. And when we get sidetracked in the passion area, because we still have this passion for self-fulfillment, big warning here, we could get stuck. this right now. I'm even late. Somebody will come. Anybody out there? Do you have a phone? No. Sorry. Somebody! Hello? There are two people stuck on an escalator. And we need help. Now will somebody please do something? Help! (laughs) I do not believe this. You have got to be kidding me. I'm going to cry. There is just, there's nothing else for us to do. But seriously, we can get stuck. When we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we don't know what it is, and so we get stuck. We, uh, we use the same tools that we've always used to try to solve a problem. And those tools are usually based in a selfish kind of a way. And so, so God is trying to get rid of our, our, our sin and our sin nature and our tendency towards, our tendency towards sin. He is also trying to lead us into this righteousness thing, and He, and He gives us a desire in our heart for righteousness to go in that direction, but we don't know what direction that is. And so we're stuck on an escalator because God has given us a plan forward, but we don't know how to do it. I could understand it if it was an elevator, you know, we're stuck and that can be, that can be terrifying. But when you're stuck on an escalator, you just don't know the way forward. But it happens. Remember one time, true story, uh, my daughter was wearing a, wearing a long dress. One time we got on an escalator and her, her skirt got caught in the escalator. 
And my wife said that I flew down those stairs. I don't know what that looked like. But I had noticed that there is an emergency stop button on those things. And I, I flew down there and knew where it was, and I hit that stop button. And I don't know what would have happened to my daughter because she was being sucked into that thing. Escalators can be scary. When you're stuck on an escalator, you don't know what to do. Oh, you could walk forward. That'd be so easy. But what if you're like that couple? Somebody will come. Somebody will help us. I'm going to cry. There's nothing left for us to do. Sometimes when we get stuck spiritually in a spiritual journey, it is very much like that. We get stuck. Righteousness is becoming a new passion, but we don't know how to get there. Now, I've served several churches. I've served, uh, I won't count them, but I've, I've served a lot of churches. And uh, I've learned something about where people get stuck in about every church that I have, that I've served. I didn't grow up as a Christian, and so I don't have the, uh, the, the benefit or the plague of, of looking at things because of our tradition and doing it the same way over and over again. You know, like the, uh, like, why do we cut off the, uh, three quarters of the ham? You've heard that? Uh, it's because we've always done it and uh, we get to grandma and we ask, why do you always cut? Well, my pan wasn't big enough, you know. Uh, but down the line, we, uh, we cut it off because that's how you cook ham. And I've been in churches that way that have gotten stuck in a tradition. And I was so gratified when I saw last week that, uh, that you had coffee brewing out there. And, and uh, I was in a church one time that said, oh, better not have coffee. Why? It can't, we can't perk coffee in a church. I said, why? Well, the people will smell the coffee. And it was so obvious to them. And that fact was obvious to me too. I thought, you ought to wake up and smell the coffee yourself. But their explanation was, the people will smell the coffee and the Holy Spirit will not be able to work. Because somebody had taught them that one time and they got stuck there. And so we get stuck all kinds of, they were defining righteousness as not eating or drinking in the church building. That was righteousness to them. They didn't know. They were on this journey of righteousness. God had birthed a a desire in their heart to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And so this is what they had made up. And that's the problem with that which God puts in our hearts. Is that we don't know what it is. And so we make up things that are righteousness. You've probably heard a lot of those kind of things. The church has for centuries made up things that they thought were righteous. And so they would make church rules. 
It was only a, it was only a couple of years ago, really maybe maybe ten, that the Wesleyan Church people who are members of the Wesleyan Church could dance. Do you know that? Because dancing was not righteous. A husband and wife dancing at their wedding was unrighteous. Having a father-daughter dance was unrighteous to the church. The church has had all kinds of rules that way. And they had gotten stuck because somebody had come up with an idea and they said, you know, I think that's right. That'll, that'll lead us into sin. We can't do that. And so we take God's commands and then we take about five steps back and we go, all right, let's make a rule right here because that's sin over there. And we want to get a rule so that we don't get anywhere near sin. So we're going to make it. We're going to make the rule right here. And these are, are well-meaning people who make up these kind of rules. But what they do is they, they make Christians hard because righteousness is a whole different thing than what we think it is. And they inoculate non-Christians from ever desiring to be part of the church. You see, church rules will do that. But righteousness will not. Righteousness is attractive and it's full of love. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. That's God's promise. So pursuing righteousness as a new passion, we're confused. We will have to, in that pursuit, deny our own selfishness in order to get to what righteousness is. Righteousness is a selfless hunger and what we're used to being, what we're used to dealing with is a selfish hunger. And so we define initially righteousness in selfish terms. Try to pursue it on our own strength and our old selfish passions still live. You see, this, this process of getting new eyes, like we talked about last week, is a recurring theme in this journey. It's not once and done, but it's, it's ongoing. Because you see, we carry this, we carry our old eyes into this area of passion where we hunger and thirst for righteousness and God has a reason to bring us to this point. He has a reason for us to to hunger and thirst after righteousness. One, we hunger and thirst after things that we don't have, all right? And he desires to, to bring us to that point, and there's a reason that he does that. But we cannot do it with our old eyes. We have to do it with the new eyes that he gives us. The repenting, the, the, it's, it's interesting that we, that we, in order to come to Christ initially, we have to come to this place where we uh, we understand that he knows more than we do, okay? He knows a lot more spiritually than what we know. But once we do that, we go, okay, now I'm, now I'm spiritual. I know everything, so I can, I can do this and this and this and this. And we try to defeat sin in our own strength. Have you ever tried to do that? Just thank you. 
<laughs> we have a brave person back there. Um, and what we do is we, we ended up, I used to, uh, I, w- I was just stuck in a sin. And, uh, and so I would, I would, I would focus on that sin and say, God, help me get rid of this sin. This is going to destroy me. I, I don't, I don't like it. I kind of liked it, but I didn't like it. And I was, I was stuck in between this, this old nature that desired selfish things and this, uh, this new desire to become righteous somehow. And I knew the sin didn't belong in my life on the righteous, uh, path, but it, uh, it was enough there was enough attraction there that I still kind of wanted it around, but I hated it when it happened. And, and so, uh, I was, I was kind of stuck in being pulled apart. My wife, uh, the song goes through her mind, stuck in the middle with you, uh, kind of thing. And, and, uh, I think she thinks she's stuck in the middle with me and just, I don't know. But, um, but we're, we're pulled. And it's difficult. In this area of the journey, is where we will spend most of our lives. Because this is very, very important. This desire that God puts in our hearts to hunger and thirst after righteousness is so very difficult because we have been so selfish for so long and if it doesn't, if it doesn't feed me, then it's not, it's not worth anything in my life. And we don't understand what feeds us because we're used to a temptation that gratifies us very quickly. Not a path that we have to wait on for development. And so we're stuck in between this whole selfish, unselfish thing. We're going to need to face our core motives. And that's what it gets down to. You've heard, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. That is simply denying your core motives and changing those to Christ-filled ones. Now, in our, in our journey here at Caring Community Church, uh, our, our journey is to be uh, without the one who has led us for uh, for such a long time since the church started. And so everything is going to be new. And can we hold together? Can we, uh, can we make it through this journey? Well, because of the, because of the success of the journeys that you have gone through and the, and the hardships that you've faced together, the, uh, the answer is yes. But it still doesn't make it an easy journey. Because we want a, a quick solution to the problem. We again have to face our core motives. Our journey, if we are going to be on this righteous journey, this hungering and thirsting after righteousness, our journey is no longer ours to direct. You cannot get rid of sin by just stating that you're not going to sin anymore. If you could, Jesus didn't need to die on a cross. Because there's something in us, a core motivation, that pulls us toward sin. Pulls us toward, I have a better idea than God's. 
And that has to be separated from us, but it's so familiar and it's so comfortable. And and if I let go and let God do things, I just don't know where he's going to take me and I don't trust him that much. I trust him for my salvation. But boy, he's meddling, man. We'll battle to beat down the old and we'll fail countless times. That's why it takes so long, okay? It just takes a long time to go through this process. And so the question comes, what are we truly hungry for? A self-directed righteousness? That's a fantasy. There is no self-directed Righteousness. We can make up things along the way, but God is the one that teaches us about what righteousness actually is. A God-directed righteousness. Believing God for righteousness is the only righteousness that exists. When we're willing to follow God, when his ideas are crazy, Because sometimes, according to us, God's ideas are just crazy. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed God when God said, go to a place that I will show you. Hmm. (laughs) You got a GPS on that, God? Um, Let me just know, know the destination and I'll punch it in and I'll get there. No. You're going to do this without GPS, Abraham. All right, I'll do it. Seems a little crazy. You're going to have a son, Abraham. Abraham gets too old to have a son, and so he says, well, my wife's not giving it to me and and, uh, a child. And and so uh, there was a law in the land, and the wife's servant girl could have a child with the husband and it would be considered the wife's and the husband's child. So they said, well, that's probably what God meant. You know, defining our own righteousness here. We'll do it that way. And it worked beautifully for a little while. And he says, no, not that one. Your wife will have a child. You're going to name him Isaac. And Abraham laughed and Sarah laughed. It was funny. She was 99. Think about it. (laughs) The child grows up and he is just, Abraham is just so pleased with him. God says, why don't you go sacrifice your son? To me on an altar. Your only son. Abraham takes him. Isaac said, Hey Dad, what's going on? Where's the sacrifice? We got the wood and we got the fire. <laughs> what's going on? God will provide the sacrifice, Isaac. Isaac's going, Oh, okay. 
until they build the altar and finally Abraham starts tying his son up. It's not recorded what Isaac said then. I don't know if he said anything. I'll bet he was thinking something. (laughs) God, you better hurry because dad's just about ready to sacrifice me. Scripture says that Abraham believed that even if if he'd killed his son, that God would raise his son back to life. That's a powerful belief in God. But it seemed a little crazy. But that kind of belief is what is credited to us as righteousness. So that, that hunger and thirst after righteousness is really a hunger and thirst to believe God absolutely, no matter how crazy it seems. We don't direct the righteousness journey. God does. So what are we hungry for? Has God birthed a hunger and thirst for righteousness in your heart? The journey is long. It is in the hands of the Holy Spirit. The journey is not for your frustration, but for your development. God has a purpose in this journey, a purpose in why it's so hard. He has a purpose in it. So what are you hungry for? God's purposes or yours? The journey's out of our hands. Philippians 1, 6 through 11. I'm not going to read all the, all the uh, scripture there. You can if you'd like, but uh, just the yellow portions. Being confident of this. This is Paul. He's in prison. He's talking to the Philippian church. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's encouraging people that This journey is God's journey that they're on. And then skip down to verse 10. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So somehow this hungering and thirsting after righteousness comes through believing God and allowing Jesus to grow a fruit of righteousness within us. And yet, we still don't know how to get there. We're still stuck on the escalator. So if we're hungry hungry for righteousness, that righteousness is to be spent on others. Because the very next beatitude the very next place we go from the hungering and thirsting after righteousness, we get the, we get the eyes of faith and we're getting this passion that God wants us to have for righteousness. And the very next one is blessed are the merciful for they'll be shown mercy. 
You see, these things that we call the Beatitudes, these teachings of, of Jesus, where he saw these people who were, who were hassled and sick and needing someone to lead them and seeking the wrong things. He saw them and said, listen, there's a straighter way to go about this. And they're not just individual things that are blessings. They're all tied together as a journey. Every time we enter into a new spiritual journey, we'll go through that process. It might get easier along the way because we understand the process better, but we'll go through the process. Blessed, content, sheltered by God's promises are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. You will know your own struggle your own hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and you'll begin to develop eyes for other people based on your struggle. When you see someone who is committing sin or who disagrees with you or or who isn't where you are, you'll not anymore judge them because that's a place where you get stuck, actually. In this pursuit of righteousness, you start judging other people because they haven't attained the, the same level of righteousness that you have so far. That's a place where we get stuck because we're still trying to define what righteousness is. But when we get to that place where mercy is in control of our lives, we still have a hunger and thirst after righteousness, but we kind of get it. We've gone through enough to be able to see when other people are stuck. And we have compassion for them. We have mercy on them. Because we have gotten a new passion that God desired to birth in us. And the thing about righteousness is trusting God, trusting Jesus Christ, trusting the Holy Spirit. When we begin to do that, when we get good at doing that, after we've gone through all the stuff, it has prepared us, the journey has prepared us to have mercy on one another. You no longer look at people as sinful and horrible and repugnant, but you see them in their struggles. And you have the mercy and the grace of Christ that he looks on us with as our new perspective. So what are you hungry for? Do you want new eyes? Do you want a new passion? In your journey right now, where are you at? you'll know by what you're hungry for. If you're, if you're hungry for, for folks to know the Lord, if you're really hungry at your core for that, not just something we say because it's church, then we'll see them with new eyes. We'll pray for them. Especially if we see them stuck someplace. 
what we're hungry for will define where we're at. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us this journey. Thank you, Lord, that even though we hate the journey sometimes, that you've birthed into us a a hunger and thirst for righteousness and we don't know how to get there and we're stuck at various different areas and we're frustrated with you because of that. Lord, we ask that you'd help us Father, help us to understand what righteousness is and help us to trust you. And we thank you. We'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.